Welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast about web development. I'm Richard Gottlieber. And I'm Brad Garropy. And this week, we're talking about what you can do to continue learning after all those tutorials and how you can build your portfolio with some project ideas. Now, we all know you can't just finish a tutorial, take that thing, put it right up on a website and, and call it done. Right, you have to go build something on your own, and that's where the real learning happens. What do you think? No, I agree a hundred percent. That personally, tutorials are great, and when I've done tutorials, you feel like you know what's going on. Especially like when somebody's holding your hand and leading you through whatever new language or framework that you're learning, and then you go and try to build something yourself, and you're like, "Wow, I really have no idea what I'm doing," or you run into an error that nobody's there to like point out exactly what's wrong. And it's definitely a, a moment where you realize that the true learning actually happens when you're experiencing it on your own and like forging your own path. So absolutely. We're going to talk about this. So it's going to be a short episode, I think, because you build a to-do app and you're done, right? Like that's the thing you do. I mean, is there any other application? That's it. Yeah. I mean, to-do lists and there's no other apps in the app store that I ever download or anything like that. So that was a good episode, Brad. So next week we'll be now. So what else <laughs> we got? Like everybody makes it to do app. What else is there? Yeah, I, I think when you're starting to like build out your portfolio or, or look at different types of projects to do, I think you should keep in mind like what your end goal is. Like if your uh, goal is to get a job as a full stack developer, you should be making full stack applications. Or if you're wanting to focus on front end, that you should make some really like delightful user experience uh, in a website. And we came up with this list of like a, a bunch of different ideas that we're just going to kind of punt around that cross all all sides of the stack. Yeah, I I definitely agree that like you need to figure out where you want to be, like you said, and then kind of hone in on that area. But I also think it's useful even if you decide that you want to be the world's like best front end like CSS wizard. It's still useful to look at building applications that kind of cross the boundaries outside of what you would consider your comfort zone. Absolutely, because if you're purely front end or purely back end, at the end of the day, you, you can't actually deliver a full application, right? Like you can make a pretty experience on the front end, which is cool and all, uh, or you could make a really great API. But in order to deliver something that really has value to users, you got to be able to do a little bit of both. 100%. So I know I kind of threw some shade on the to-do app, but like that is, that is a good first like place to start, right? Because you need, I mean, I think that's why it's the stereotypical, like you need to build something on your own, go make a to-do app. Because you need like a decent front end to, to make a useful to-do app. Like even if it's, and it kind of lends itself to, you don't have to have the world's most beautiful front end. You can make a very rudimentary, like CRUD interface, and it's a to-do app. And you could focus just on the back end and making like a super elegant, you know, database to hold everything, make the API calls awesome and super clean. And so I think that's kind of why like that app is the starting place for a lot of people and a lot of suggestions. But assuming you've done that, where where have you looked? Where have you gone for inspiration in the past? Yeah, so there's actually a new website that came out not too long ago called 50reactprojects.com. 
And it, it's literally exactly what it says. Just a, a ton of ideas for React projects. And this this is by Colby Fayok, um, a buddy of mine over on the Learn, Build, Teach Discord. And so if you're looking for like just a giant list of examples, that's a great place to go. Yeah, and I think it even includes like wireframes to get you started and that kind of stuff, right? Yes, and it kind of gives you some guardrails, like you said, for how to get started. It tells you, you know, what the project should be and what it should do, and then you can just get on with implementing it so you're not actually coming up with the idea at all. It's almost more like a homework assignment. Gotcha, gotcha. Kind of along the same lines, I know like you brought that one and I had not heard of it before. There's another website called Frontend Mentor. And I mean, these two sites, they do basically the same thing, it sounds like. They provide just a bunch of projects to work on. One thing I thought was awesome about Frontend Mentor, if you pay their subscription, they will actually provide Sketch and Figma files for you. So you can kind of treat it like, hey, a UX designer has actually given me like the pixel perfect. This is what the web app's supposed to look like. And then you can go and build it. And that's really awesome. And it gives you all the assets to use too in order to create that application, which is like, personally, that's something I'll run into where, you know, I'm like, well, I don't know what the, you know, logo for made up web app should look like. I'm not like, you know, a logo designer. I'm just not what I do. So it will normally, if I do it myself, look kind of cheesy or terrible compared to, you know, like getting something like that where you have the assets there already, you can focus on the actual coding, uh, which I think is a great, great service. I personally haven't signed up for their service, but I've just looked at the, some of the free ones that they have and they're pretty thorough too. So I don't know. It seems that they have a good community as well, which is another piece of projects in my opinion that is important is finding people to give you feedback on them. Yeah, that's a great point. Like kind of like how I mentioned it was similar to homework. You still kind of need to hand in that homework and get a grade and get it reviewed. So to have some peer reviews or just a community of folks or mentors who can help you out, uh, you're going to learn a lot that way. You're going to learn a lot struggling through the process of getting it done and a lot from the reviews. Yeah, I agree. And I'm just kind of thinking too about the fact that like you can make something that looks awesome on your laptop or on your, you know, your monitor. And then somebody pulls it up on a different monitor and they're like, dude, what is up with the spacing on this? Like, you know, you, you spaced your stuff out and I have an ultra wide monitor. So like everything is like spread across the entire page and it looks ridiculous. So that kind of stuff too. I think it's important to get feedback on the projects. So we kind of talked about like two places you could go to get project ideas. Maybe you don't want to do that and you want to just kind of forge your own path completely. What other kind of ideas or things have you seen or done personally as far as like where to get inspiration for projects? I think one of the easiest places to get inspiration for projects is websites you already visit. They say, what is it? Imitation is the finest form of flattery. And if you were to go out and look at some of the sites you use, like Netflix or Google or Hulu or Amazon or Facebook or whatever, just try to recreate those designs as like a front end only project. In doing that, you're going to learn probably a lot about layout, styles, you know, shadows, design, things like that. And it's always interesting too to take one of those websites and just pop open um, the developer tools and like, you know, the inspect and look at how they actually do things. Um, I will say, personally, I find it interesting to go and recreate some of those things because like, I don't know, if you just go to like Google, super simple website on the surface, you can make it really fast. But then when you start looking at the like how, how they're, 
entire like design framework works and like different class names that are thrown on stuff and everything, man, it's ridiculous. So when you try to make it yourself, you can, you can basically take it and clean it up a lot and actually understand what's happening. And I think that like where the, where the real learning comes from is not to just take a static image of something like Google or Netflix, but to take it and then like change your window size, you know, and like watch what happens to the elements because like whole idea of like responsive design and watching how that works on different websites is super interesting in my opinion. Um, I know that like, Personally, just watching, you know, like a, a layout go from like three columns down to two or one, uh, watching the menus change, how the menus change. Cause like, I don't know, you could spend months probably building just custom menus that are amazing for like personal projects because the different ways that you can deal with responsive design when it comes to just a super simple like website navigation menu, it's like endless possibilities right there. I actually think hamburger menus and the switch between like a top bar and a hamburger menu was one of the more difficult things I had to learn as an early web developer comes in with media queries and, you know, different grid areas and how you choose to relay out things can make a big impact on your code. Yeah, no, I agree. Those are, they're definitely tricky. That's one thing too. When, when it comes to projects and front ends, I think another thing you can do that's very interesting is to take the same project and do it in different frameworks, right? So like build out a website for whatever project you're working on in Gatsby and then redo it in Svelte and then redo it in just like plain HTML and CSS and like look at how those different frameworks work, you know, build it in React, obviously, like compare React and Vue. What, what are the differences there? Building the same thing, but with different tools and that'll give you a lot deeper understanding of the differences between the tools as well without having to wrap your mind around the actual intricacies of the project itself, right? So I think that's also a useful thing to do with different projects. Yeah, that's a great point. Like you're not necessarily just learning the nuts and bolts of how to code. You can use these projects to uh, learn and understand different concepts that different frameworks have to offer. and. Kind of going back to something you mentioned about, you know, reading the source, looking under the hood at the HTML and CSS, you'll also find that these different frameworks generate kind of different markup. So for instance, if you're using Gatsby with styled components, you're going to get garbledy gook for class names, right? Or it might, you know, do some weird stuff with the HTML when it generates your website. Right. And you can compare that to something like using, you know, regular HTML, uh, vanilla CSS, vanilla JavaScript, you're going to get a much cleaner DOM where you can use inspect source and just really see what went on there. Yeah, that's a good point too. It's, I don't know, it's interesting to, and we're kind of going off on a tangent here about frameworks, but it's interesting when you actually start looking at web pages to understand how they work, that a lot of the things that make developer life faster and easier and better make it a lot harder if you're just looking at what the output is because things aren't super crisp and clear at that point because it does all this stuff to like abstract away like unused code and minification and all these things to make performance better actually make developer <laughs> dealing with the output maybe worse i don't know so coming back to projects so we mentioned like recreating famous websites you know like netflix or google facebook that's all well and good if you're a front-end developer, right? But I think something that I have found is 
a lot of times these projects like this, they're normally about like, hey, make something that looks amazing and it's all front-end work. What if you're back-end dev? Like, have you have you found any good sources for like back-end dev work? And like, what are your thoughts about why, why there aren't as many good, easy back-end dev projects for, you know, kind of like one, creating a portfolio and two, learning? Yeah, so I actually haven't found any like project resources for backend, but I can I can venture a guess as to why. It's because when you're making a portfolio, there's not a pretty picture to go along with a backend code base. You essentially have a link to your API docs or a link to the GitHub repository, and that's kind of it. And so it's just less flashy, and I think that's why people don't reach for it right out of the gate. I definitely think that when it comes to backend work, it's not as glamorous. Like you said, it's not as flashy. And that definitely has a lot to do with the fact that there's just not as much to show off. It's not, come look at this amazing thing I built because, I don't know, spending a lot of my career as a backend dev, my opinion, like backend work is kind of boring to look at. You create super useful stuff that is like, you know, key to, to making everything work. But at the end of the day, it's like, hey, here's some plain text. Woohoo. You know, it's not, it's not like, man, look at this CSS animation and look how awesome it looks. And I click this button and like everything just kind of like fades into the screen and everything. It's like, well, I got a fetch and I got a result back and it was great. It's just a different, I don't know, it's a different mindset. I think the key to backend projects is to honestly just pick a subject matter that you're interested in and start making APIs and data models around that. So for instance, I really like weightlifting and bodybuilding. And so a backend app I've always dreamed of making was like some kind of workout tracker where you have, you define your exercises, you define your workout routine, and then you log each time you went and did a workout. And so that, that data model gets a little bit complex. It would be fun to model out in the backend and then make APIs to edit all those different pieces. And so if you have a, a subject that you really like, just start working on that as a, as a service, essentially. And you're going to find yourself a lot more invested in what you're doing. And all those front-end ideas will start swirling around in your head, too, about, oh, man, now I could make a UI. And next thing you know, you kind of have a full application. Yeah, I think that's a good way to kind of put it. It's, it's find something. In my mind, back, back-end APIs are a lot about collections. But find some sort of data that you would like to keep track of. You know, whether that's like, I don't know, you collect like the pop figures or, you know, you want to inventory every single Lego brick that you're, you've bought, you know, something like that. Like, and then the data model to, to kind of how you are going to house this information and then make the API for that and then make some sort of way to interact with that API, right? Like, I think that's a good way to kind of think about it. I know too, when we were talking earlier, there was also the idea of creating like you came up with like the secret Santa API idea. And I think that's a really good idea because it's, there's a lot to that as far as a project goes. And it's also a fun thing and it doesn't have to be super flashy. Like you could make that like the interface for that super basic and it still is doing something that's fairly hard to do just without some sort of program or some way to do it. Right? Like if you said, Hey, group of friends, let's do secret Santa. And especially if you're kind of remote or scattered, it becomes kind of a challenge to make sure that like everybody gets a random person and they don't get themselves. And if you have like, I don't know, spouses or something in there too, like there's a lot of edge cases there that you could start to make this a very complex problem to solve. 
So I think that's an awesome idea personally. I started on this application and that was the first thing I ran into. It was like, yeah, cool. Just put some names in a group and you're done. And then you, you start really like designing the API and understanding the interactions. You go, wow, this is like way harder than I thought it was going to be. And this all was spurred on because uh, my wife has a fairly large family. And so we were all trying to coordinate Secret Santa together, but everybody's in pairs, you know, spoused up essentially. And there's a lot of like exclusion rules. That's why we have the same problem. My wife's family is fairly <laughs> large and we always end up with like the making sure that you don't get yourself and then making sure you don't get your spouse, like that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's hard. Now, one thing we didn't talk about for backend projects is authentication, because I think that's like a major portion of learning in the backend. So any of these projects, learn how to do authentication and learn how to store that data specific to a particular user. All of a sudden, you know, now you made something as a service. You you provided that API and personalized it for every user. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, so we've mentioned like front and back end. And then I don't know, just as thinking about ways to come up with other ideas if you want to come up with something completely on your own. I know personally, I've seen that like if you have anything like a hobby or something you enjoy, like personally. I really enjoy board games. Some board games have apps for like scoring and keeping track of everything. A lot don't. And a lot of them have just, they come with like, you know, a small little stack of paper. And it's fairly complex to do all the math and everything at the end of the game. And, you know, it takes like probably half as long as the actual game to tally up all the points when you get to the end of the game. And making a web app to account for that is a great project. You know, and you can make that as complex or as simple as you want. Like you could scale it out where like you could start a game session and have other people join it, right? If you want to be really complex and then that hits on like authentication and all that stuff. Like it gets to be a really big project by the time you're done. So I think that looking for hobbies, looking for things you enjoy, any sort of pain point that you think that you could solve with a web app is a great way to find projects to start on that you might actually be passionate about as well. Because this is something like a lot of times, you know, it's stuff that you're doing on the side in your spare time and you need to have some sort of motivation, some reason that you want to keep going on this project, right? So you don't just say, uh, you know, I spent three weeks on this and uh, I'm done. Yeah. And don't be surprised if like passion and motivation kind of run out partway through this project or you get a little bit disheartened, like that's part of the learning process. But here's what I will say is kind of do it in public. Talk about it on Twitter, talk about it to your friends and family as you build it and make sure you're shipping along the way. You know, do your commits, get it deployed out somewhere and show people because that's what's gonna invite the feedback. And when you hear positive feedback or even points of improvement, those are the things that are gonna push you to keep working on it. And that's how you're going to, number one, finish projects. And number two, just keep learning and keep producing things for your portfolio or for your next job or your next promotion. Yeah, that's a really good point. Speaking of getting feedback, I know a lot of, at least in the circles that I'm in, a lot of people are on Twitter when it comes to tech stuff. And there's definitely like, depending on what you're looking for, like there's a hashtag 100 days of code. 
which is a great hashtag to follow and put on posts when you want feedback, when you're sharing things. Um, I don't know if, Brad, if you have any other places that you know of for like feedback that are great. I know a lot of learning communities also have discords now, right? Like discords are the new like forum for discussing and getting like feedback in a smaller group. And I think that that's also, cause I know it can be like, it can be intimidating to just say, Hey, I'm learning something. Let me throw it out there to the entire world on Twitter. Come give me feedback. Right. Because that's, I mean, I don't know. That's intimidating. I'll be honest. Like even personally, like Twitter can be really intimidating to say anything on or to ask for like, Hey, I made this thing. Tell me what you think about it. Yeah. Lucky for me, like web dev Twitter has been one of the friendliest communities I've been in. But if, if sharing what you're doing with that wide of an audience is a bit intimidating. I think Discord is a great place to start. Um, I know two specific Discords that are really, really good for people who are learning to code. So one is James Quick's Learn, Build, Teach Discord. And we'll make sure to put the, the invite to join in the show notes, as well as Scott Talinsky's Level Up Tutorials Discord. And it makes sense because both of these guys, James Quick and Scott Talinsky, are content creators. They produce courses or, you know, do things for the community. And so it, their discords are like super friendly to people who are learning how to code. And I don't know, I, I like mentor in both of those discords. And it's just really rewarding to help people out. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've been in Scott's. I just recently joined James's discord. And yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. They are very friendly, very like willing to help. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody just like say anything negative to somebody asking for help or asking for like feedback on something. They're all super helpful. I know in Scott's, like when I was first learning uh, Svelte, I, you know, I did basically what we talked about. I took a local brewery. I took their website. I think it's built in WordPress currently. It's pretty slow. I built it in Svelte. And, you know, like basically just copied the layout, the designs, everything, um, and just posted it on Scott's discord. And he and a couple other people gave me like super direct, super actionable feedback, you know, like things like, Hey, your spacing between these two things is kind of a weird amount. You might want to increase it to this just because that's more readable, like stuff like that. That's super, I don't know, super great, super actionable. Other than that, they said it looked great. You know, they were super friendly for anything that was not like constructive feedback, but just like positive feedback as well. I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but they were, they were positive and they gave constructive feedback, right? Which was, I mean, I don't know, it was a good experience. Like it was great. Yeah. That's what I've found. Like the people who are giving feedback in those discord channels in particular, they will 100% tell you what they think without being rude. And their feedback is like you said, actionable. Uh, and if you just keep iterating on it and bringing it back, like there's a graphic design channel, I believe in level up tutorials. And so I've taken designs and then people gave feedback and I iterated on it. And like, we just kept going until it felt really good by the end of that process. I think everybody felt like there was a win there. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of a good like progression of, you know, if you want to start small, find a discord, find like a smaller discord and start there. Um, we'll link to the two that we're mentioning. And uh, there's a ton out there. Like 
I don't know what the best place is to look for like web dev discords. Maybe there's a link that we can add to the show notes if we find one. It's like a index of web dev discords. But you know, if if you're comfortable on Twitter too, just like post it on Twitter. Like 100 days of code is a great thing. Most of the people um, in that hashtag are in the learning process, right? Like that's what it's all about. Um, I know there's also another hashtag code newbie. There's a podcast, the Code Newbie podcast, and they have like a hashtag group and they are super helpful and nice too from what I've seen when I've interacted with them. So it's one of those things where it can definitely feel intimidating. But the community as a whole is pretty awesome and pretty welcoming, I would say. Yeah, I've had the same experience. I think just speaking up on Twitter has been one of the best things to happen to me in my career for sure. So as we're kind of getting towards the end of this episode, I just want to pose the blanket question to you, Richard, like when you're learning something new, how do you approach it? Yeah. So depending on how different the new thing is, I would vary this answer. If it's something completely new that I haven't ever touched before, um, take like when I was learning Svelte, because Svelte is pretty different than like a React framework. The way that I approached that was I, I came across some tutorials. I think it was actually, man, I feel like we need to get some uh, some sponsorship from Scott here, but like unlevel tutorials, right? That's where I first saw it. Um, so I, I kind of followed along with the tutorial and it went through just making like a super basic markdown blog. And then from that point, like one thing that was very nice about Svelte is their docs and their tutorial on the Svelte website is outstanding. So the tutorial, it was nice because you had somebody there like walking you through the process, right? And so you kind of get a feel for it. Like, and that's how I normally start with some sort of tutorial like that, because that gives you an idea of one, is this something that I want to keep looking into, right? I haven't invested, my, my investment right now is very small. I decide, yes, I, I want to keep looking at this. So from there, I went to the docs and started looking at the docs, right? And to kind of understand more how everything works together. And I think that's something that in my early career, I wouldn't go look at documentation very much. Like Stack Overflow was my documentation source, right? Like if I know it's kind of a meme and a joke of like, you know, developers just copy paste from Stack Overflow. But let's be honest, like me personally, at least I spent a lot of time like, oh, they're doing this. I just need to do this slightly different thing. And hey, that's what I needed, right? (laughs) Like Stack Overflow, people who help out on Stack Overflow, probably should have gotten a large portion of my paychecks, especially in the early part of my career <laughs> and probably even now. Um, so reading the documentation, like that is a skill set. understanding technical documentation. Like if you can develop that, especially starting out and understanding how things work from the documentation, your path to onboarding onto new technologies will be so much faster because the, the documentation is very often can't say this about every single like language and framework out there, but often like documentation is very clear and very like vanilla in how it's working and what's described. And that lets you understand like the fundamental building blocks of whatever you're trying to learn. So tutorial to documentation to going and building some project. Like I mentioned, I kind of took a local brewery, copied their website. From there, you know, like I've I've rebuilt a, my personal blog, is built in felt. I built a couple other like little side projects in it and it's just kind of that continually using it is is how I approached it. What about you? Is that similar to what you've done or how do you differ? 
Yeah, nowadays, when I feel like I have more going on in life, in order to learn something new, I have to have a place to apply it first. So when I say, ah, I want to make a new app or a new website, I should use this as an opportunity to learn something new rather than the other way around where like, I want to learn X technology, let's invent something to build. It's, it's I always have an end goal in mind first. So similar to you, I go to videos first to just kind of, it's, it's low mental investment and you get that idea of like, is this technology going to be for me? Then also just like you, I go to the docs because hearing something straight from the horse's mouth is like so much better than getting uh, some other kind of opinionated view from somebody else who may be helping you. And it's just so much faster to find stuff that usually docs have search bars now and it's like so fast. And one level of learning that I haven't quite gotten to yet is reading the source code. Uh, on most things, I'm not there, but just a little bit in some of the, the libraries I'm touching now, I'm starting to dive in, but I haven't advanced to that level yet, I feel like. Yeah. And as we're having this conversation, I'm kind of realizing we're both probably slightly biased in how we learn things based on the fact that we we have some experience in this space, right? So thinking about like if I was listening to this conversation as like a brand new web dev, I'd be like, man, so they're telling me like watch a tutorial and then just jump right into the docs. Have you seen the docs? They don't make any sense. And I, like, I totally remember being at that point and I, I'm going to tie it back to like the community piece. And I think that that would kind of bias me in what I was learning. Like finding an established community place like documentation, everything like examples and stuff like that would be where I think I would start if I was starting out here. So like for that example, Svelte might not be something that I would push someone new to web development into because it's a fairly new framework and there's not the like robust community around it. The people in the Svelte community are amazing and super helpful. Don't get me wrong. But if you take something like React that has been out and is a like industry standard, there is so like the the amount of available information in that space is so much broader. I think that that might be something else to kind of keep in mind when you're thinking about learning a new framework. So I just didn't want to, I don't know. I just wanted to keep that in mind for people who, who are new to the web dev space that like the how you learn will look different as you progress along the journey of learning. And I think another reason why we're able to just jump right into the docs for something is because we've put in enough reps in similar technologies, you know, right? Like React, Vue, Angular, all these front-end frameworks or different libraries, they're all kind of accomplishing the same thing. They're just kind of skinning that cat differently. And so once you have the mental model of what they're doing, then moving from one to the other happens a lot faster. So that being said, if you are newer, you have to put in your reps like more. So like as you're learning JavaScript, drill those array methods, drill DOM manipulation. When you're learning CSS, understand the cascade, like do it lots of times. And then you'll be able to jump into, you know, CSS frameworks or JavaScript libraries easier. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. It's one of those, you kind of have to take the first couple steps to get further along in the journey. So Brad, talking about communities and talking about feedback and everything has made me realize we need a Discord. 
So we're going to set one up and we'll put the link in the show notes. Join the Discord, folks. Like, that's probably the best way to talk to us to get feedback. Like, we will gladly give you feedback. All these things we've been saying about other communities, like, why not have our own community? That was a kind of a, a silly oversight going into this episode. But brand new Discord. Be one of the first hundred people in the Discord and get a thumbs up from Brad and I. I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, creating projects, getting feedback, getting out there and being part of the community, I think is all just part of the journey to like, not just learning web dev, right? But like improving your ability overall as a, as a developer. I know personally, like this past year, I have gotten in touch with and reached out to so many more people once I just kind of started putting myself out there online. Like this podcast, the only reason it exists is because Brad had a blog post talking about a podcast and I thought that I would like to start a podcast too. And we started talking to each other. So we should start a podcast. Yeah. You know, what thing is more 2020 or 2021 than starting a podcast? So here we are. (laughs) I think that about wraps it up. Uh, Is there anything else, Brad, that you would like to talk about this week about projects, getting feedback, anything like that? That's it. Just get out there and start building some of these ideas and share them in the discord. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in to Web Dev Weekly again this week. Uh, If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe in your podcast player. Check us out on Twitter. You can find our Twitters in the show notes. And also, make sure you join that Discord. Until next week, I'm Richard. I'm Brad. And we'll talk to you later.